Um, what I'm going to do is talk about um, a little bit about um, the tabernacle in a sense that it applies to us. So I'm going to be reading a lot of scriptures today. So have your pens out because I felt to, I, I look, I went to, I stayed up all night. Sometimes when I have to preach, I can't sleep, you know, so it's like that kind of situation. So uh, I didn't get to send these to Keisha, but she might catch up with me during the time I mention them to you. But I'm going to read, uh, first I'm going to read uh, Ezekiel 8 uh, concerning the idolatry in the temple. Bless the Lord. That's uh, just write down or get out Ezekiel 8 and you'll know. You'll know what I'm talking about. Um, let's see here. Just let me get a translation I can read. Otherwise, I'll be stumbling all over everything. So I'm going to read out the ESV. <clears throat> okay, in the sixth year, in the sixth month of the fifth day of the month, as I sat in my house with the elders of Judah sitting before me, the hand of the Lord fell upon me. Then I looked, and behold, a form that had the appearance of man below what appeared to be his waist was, was fire. And above his waist was something like the appearance of brightness. Um, like gleaming metal. He put out the form of his hand and took me by the lock of my head, and the Spirit lifted me up between the earth and heaven and brought me in visions of God to Jerusalem, to the entrance of the gateway of the inner court that faces north, where the seat of the image of jealousy, which provokes to jealousy. And behold, the glory of God of Israel was there, like the vision that I saw in the valley. Then he said to me, Son of man, lift up your eyes now toward the north. So I lifted up my eyes toward the north, and behold, north of the altar gate in the entrance was the image of jealousy. And he said to me, Son of man, do you see what they are doing? The great abominations that the house of Israel are committing here to drive me far from my sanctuary. But you will see still greater abominations. And he brought me to the entrance of the court, and when I looked, behold, there was a hole in the wall. Then he said to me, Son of man, dig in the wall. So I dug in the wall, and behold, there was an entrance. And he said to me, Go in and see the vile abominations that they are committing here. So I went in and saw, and there engraved on the wall all around was every form of creeping thing and loathsome beast and all the idols of the house of Israel. And before them stood 70 men of the elders of the house of Israel, with Jazaniah, the son of Shaphan, standing among them. Each had his censer in his hand, and the smoke of the cloud of incense went up. Then he said to me, Son of man, have you seen what the elders of the house of Israel are doing in the dark? Each in his room of pictures. For they, the Lord does not see us. They think the Lord does not see us. The Lord has forsaken the land. He said also to me, You will see still greater abominations that they commit. Then... If I can get down here. Then he brought me to the entrance of the north gate of the house of the Lord, and behold, there sat women weeping for Tammuz. Then he said to me, Have you seen this, O son of man? You will see still greater abominations than these. And he brought me into the inner court of the house of the Lord, and behold, at the entrance of the temple of the Lord, between the porch and the altar were about 25 men with their backs to the temple of the Lord and their faces toward the east, worshiping the sun toward the east. Then he said to me, Have you seen this son of man? 
Is it too light a thing for the house of Judah to commit the abominations that they commit here? That they shouldn't fill the land with violence and provoke me still further to anger? Behold, they put the branch to their nose. Therefore, I will act in wrath. My eye will not spare, nor will I have pity. And though they cry in my ears with a loud voice, I will not hear them. Bless the Lord. I know it's kind of long, but we need to hear it so I can try to make a point here. Bless God. So um, the name of my sermon is Noise in the Outer Court. And so uh, noise in the outer court, noise in the outer court. So if you think about it, that, you know, if you're in the inner court, you can hear noise out there. There's a lot of noise going on. Sometimes when you're in the house, you might hear the kids out playing basketball or something. So you hear the noise, you inside, they're outside, you can hear the noise, right? Sometimes you hear noise you don't want to hear. You know, gunfire, cars running into each other, cussing and screaming and all of this kind of sort of stuff. Outer noise. So um, there's some noise that makes its way inside. We actually have a responsibility to keep the results of what we're hearing from coming inside. Bless the Lord. So First Chronicles 28, 29, uh, say, I'm sorry, 28:9 says, "And Solomon said, he said, "My son, I charge you to acknowledge your father's God." And serve him with an undivided heart and a willing mind. He knows all our thoughts and desires. If you go to him, he will accept you. But if you turn away from him, he will abandon you forever. So in there, it says he knows all our thoughts and desires. Who knows all our thoughts and desires? Bless the Lord. Okay? Bless God. Then 28.11 says... David gave Solomon the plans for all the temple buildings, for the storerooms, and for all the other rooms, and for the most holy place where sins are forgiven. So where are sins forgiven? In the most holy place, in the temple. Okay? So he knows our thoughts. He knows the thoughts of men. And he forgives those thoughts and sins in all our reprehensible ways in the holy place. Bless the Lord. Okay. Then 28:29 says King David announced to the whole assembly, "My son Solomon is the one whom God has chosen, but he's still young and lacks experience. The work to be done is tremendous, but this is not a palace for people, but a temple for the Lord God." So this is not a palace for people, but a temple for the Lord God. Bless the Lord, he reads our thoughts. He forgives our sins, and this is his temple. Know where I'm going with that? Okay, well, so we're the temple. All right, that old temple that it used to be, it's no more. All right, he reads our thoughts. <laughs> okay, all right, all right. So, bless the Lord. Um, <clears throat> the outer court, people were used to religious activities, but without the re reality of a personal encounter with God. So that goes on today. We can actually come in here. This is not a temple. This is where we gather. But we can literally be on the outer court while there's inner courts going on, inner court things going on. I had to remind myself when I came in because I was busy trying to um, get this together. So I had a few minutes, right? But 
I wanted to participate. And I was, yeah, I did. I saw you. Yeah, <laughs> we, we were participating. You know, I wanted to. But in, in, at, at the first thought that came to mind was, I need to, to help invoke participation, right? But that's not why I should participate. Honestly, when it comes to worshiping God, if I worship him in spirit and in truth in my heart, in the holy place, right, then he's going to spiritually activate, right? right? So if I haven't heard anything spiritually, if I only heard Pastor Rick, you know, making um, mouthing words and start doing cartwheels or whatever, right? If that's what I saw, I could join that. Or I could ask the Lord, give me inner, give me an inner message here in my heart, right? So that I can praise you too. So I can worship you in spirit and in truth. And by so doing, others are going to see true worship taking place, not just an act, right? So I, I said it last, so whenever I was up here, before I think last week for, for opening up or something, I'm guilty of trying to collaborate in the natural when it, actually it should be a spiritual affair, a spiritual effort, in a spiritual episode. So I'm not trying to be real deep. I'm not, because you know I'm not. <laughs> you know, you, you, it is what, what it is with me, Right? But what I'm trying to say is that I don't have what I know I need to have. And so I have to ask the Lord, right? Bless God. So um, in the inner court, on the other hand, the experience was deep, personal and intimate. There God met with men. We're talking about the physical temple. There he met with men, right? Now in our temples, we're temples of the Lord. He wants to meet with us. Okay, this is what he wants. He, he, he literally has decided I should be a temple for him. And in his decision, he wants to have a relationship with me inward, in the holy of holies. Bless the Lord. In the innermost sanctuary, right? Okay, the outer court is not necessarily what he's after. I've been actually operating here way too long. Okay. It's, it's good. We study to show ourselves approved, right? You know, yeah, we, we do. We, we study. We, 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 we put on our best armor. You know, we try to get out there with what it is that we need, but we're failing to have this relationship that is vital for any service to the Lord. Any worship, anything that we do to him has to start here. Bless the Lord. So we had um, a Bible study on uh, last Thursday. We have it every Thursday unless otherwise noted. And, uh, and I think the Lord woke up something in me um, that was pretty premier. Because a couple of Bible studies before, there was um, the Holy Spirit gave me an analogy about... Um, mother catching her daughter, putting on makeup. That happened. You, you sent out a picture before, remember? Okay. And so um, that could have helped invoke that. You, you never know. But, um, um, but, but what happened was um, 
she was endeared because it wasn't that she was just putting on makeup. She was trying to do it like her mother. So, you know, you love that, right? You, you, you know, I want to I get you, but you're trying to do like me, so I might let you slide, you know, a little bit or something. So, um, yeah, but, but the point is, is that after, well, if the mother decides, okay, she's going to uh, work with her, I can't let you put on makeup, you're too little. But here, I'll let you decorate my face and suffers some of that, right? Right? Over time, and the daughter grows up and everything and stuff, she'll remember these kinds of things, right? All right. And she can say in her heart, I just love my mother. What she can't do is say in her heart, I love you, mother, because mother will not hear that. What mother can understand is acts outside of the heart. So the heart could be the core reason why she hugged her mother, right? Or it could be the catalyst for which she kissed her mother or waved or told her I love her. But we're in natural form when it comes to one another. We're not telepathic, right? All right, but with God, I can say I love you in here, right? Why do I love him in here? Because I remember the time he took with me, right? I remember that he didn't just chastise me for everything that I did wrong because he knew I was trying to become something. I didn't know, right? He was patient and tolerant with me, right? And so I can tell him here, Lord, I love you. I love you in here. Unfortunately, Leroy can't hear it and, and, and Doretha can't hear it, but I'll tell them outwardly, I love the Lord. Believe it or not, he knows, okay? He knows. This is our worship ground. It's in here. Bless the Lord. Bless God. Um, what is defilement? Um, so I looked it up in Got Questions. If you have some questions, go to Got Questions and look up what they say. Don't just go to Merriam-Webster because they're going, they, you know, they'll give you an answer, but you'll get thrown out of the pulpit, right? So some, some is good. I'm, I'm not saying that, yeah, but got questions, they have answers. There's other resources. Yeah, gotquestions.org. Yeah. And then, um, and so I looked up what is defilement. Defilement is the state of being impure, dishonored, or desecrated, Right? Um, to defile something is an act of great disrespect towards God or others. Sin can defile a person, a community, or a nation. So, <clears throat> give me a second. Oh, I read this. Okay, yeah, good. So, um, the temple, the temple was destroyed in 586 BCE. Now, I read Ezekiel, what was going on in there, censors, pictures, nothing new under the sun, okay? Vulgarities, pornography, temple prostitution, you know, in his temple. That was his temple then. Now we're his temple. He, he, he takes... Ezekiel on a vision. 
Here, I'm going to take you on a vision and show you what's going on inside of my physical temple. Okay? Now, the Lord can see what's going on inside of these temples. It's important for us to realize this. You know, and not just write it off as, well, he's always seen the filth in this temple. I very rarely clean up. It's not something I do, you know, on a regular basis. We can get complacent. But what we don't want to do is not turn to God for every detail of the temple that he's called us to be, for every detail that it takes to make that temple a representation of who he is so that his glory can fill this place. If Dorothy was into Rembrandt art and it was all over her house, when I came to her house, I would see the artwork and I would say, it's pretty much evidence of Dorothy, her style. This is pretty much her glory. When we're outside, and we see the sun and the clouds, and there's been times, and no one can say there hasn't been, that you were just mesmerized by the colors, you know. And at the same time, the light over here, and the mountain over here taking shape, you know, and, and the clouds moving, and even though they're moving, it's still beautiful. They can't move out of the beauty. And we know this is his glory. This is indicative of God. He wants this temple to be adorned in the way that he is, glorified, glorious. He wants something for us we are not able to do in and of ourselves. But he's, he wants this and he's going to have it. We need to throw our hands up now for various reasons. Many, many reasons. And I can go on and on about the rewards and awards and all of that sort of thing. But I'll just say this, <laughs> it makes sense to let him clean this house up, right? Bless the Lord. <clears throat> Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar destroyed the temple, but he was just the aftermath of what was going on in the temple. So the final result of all of that porn and all of that filth and all of the drugs and the censors and the incense and the call girls and the call guys and all of that stuff. At the end of it, when God was fed up, that temple was destroyed. In like manner, our temples, bless the Lord. Okay, God can get fed up. Look, there was a period at the old church when an influx of people were dying of AIDS. I'm, I'm telling back-to-back -back deaths, okay? It, it, now, look, the world will jack me up when they see this <laughs> video. Well, you know, no, you know, that was something else. We have a, a rational plan for that. It had nothing to do with sin. But we know better because sin kills. The end result of sin is death. That's what James says. So regardless of the AIDS, if it had been any number of vile or wicked things that a Christian, a so-called Christian is doing because now this is a temple of the Lord. You'll take yourself out. You want a short life? Fill that temple up with vile, wicked filth. 
Fill it up and keep it there. Look, don't misunderstand me. Don't keep a little lie there and be aware of it. Right? Don't be consciously aware of anything you're withholding. And keep it here where the Lord dwells. Because we are his temple. Bless the Lord. I can't make it any more clear than that. (laughs) Nebuchadnezzar was the outward act of an inward processing of rebellion going on in God's house. Bless God. Bless the Lord. Bless God. Um, So the temple was destroyed because sin was abound. It was going back and forth. Everybody was doing their thing. And God shows us how he pays attention. Okay. Um, come, come here, uh, uh, Mother Johnson. Come, come, come. Look in there. Look in there. Can you see what they're doing? Right? I mean, look, this is God. Let me show you what I'm able to see. What I see all the time. Let me just give you a glimpse. This is just in one temple. What's going on on this whole planet I've created? Right? But let me show you. This is how I see. I can see all of it. Right? The reason why we're able to connect with God now is because of his son. Otherwise, he couldn't look at us. You get it? But because of Jesus' death, that veil has been torn. And now we have this inner sanctuary we can walk into personally, privately, and consult the living God. You have this access, Sharon. We have this access. Don't forfeit the access. Because, honest to goodness, if we, I mean, how, look, we have no idea what we're forfeiting. I, I can't Look, it's up to each of us to get an understanding of God. But we can all come to the table with our understanding, right? And then we can verify and validate and, 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 and contribute what it is we know about his greatness, right? And then we can press on toward the mark. Bless the Lord. Because we're reinforcing what we know about God. So when I'm just saying in my heart, I love God. If I don't, he knows. Look, Mother Johnson, he's saying he loves me, but he doesn't. Okay, look, see that? Daughter of man. (laughs) See see what's going on? (laughs) Okay, bless the Lord. So we can't pull the wool over his eyes. We all know that, right? But what we want What we want is him to take the wool off of our eyes and off of our hearts. Okay, so this is what we want. So the Lord can deliver us into a place of intimacy that we're forfeiting. It starts here. Bless the Lord. I'm almost done. Uh. (laughs) No. I am. Let me check the clock. 
So um, I think it's important. It's important to recognize uh, how serious God is when God was talking to, um, and we haven't been commissioned in this type of fashion that I can understand, correct me if I'm wrong, but when he tells Ezekiel, you know, you go out there and you tell them, and I mean you tell them, right? And you don't withhold anything. You tell these people and don't be afraid of them. And you tell them because why? I don't want to destroy them. Not just tell them so that they can be afraid of me, but tell them because I want them to survive, right? Go, tell them. And then he tells them, don't, don't forfeit telling them, or you will be destroyed too, right? Okay, so everybody wants to be a prophet, right? There's a big call, right? <laughs> you know, because a false prophet is in a danger zone lying in the first place. And then if you're a prophet really called by God, if you're not out telling them, right? Okay, so what we don't want to do is toy and play with God. What we want is to realize, Acts 2, 1 through 4 says, the coming of the Holy Spirit, number two, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came the heaven, from heaven, a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. You know, that's actually not where I wanted to go, but that works. Because when God's presence would fill the temple, I remember Pastor Jamie hammered this in our heads about it sounded like, or it felt like, or it was, remember? Okay, so um, here's the deal. This was how the temple was described when Solomon rebuilt it, right? Right? The noise and the feelings and all of this, and then the glory came into the temple. Bless God. Okay, what we, I'm not saying go out and look for an experience of feeling. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that you're going to recognize God when you commune with him heart to heart your heart to his, that's going to make a difference in any other feeling you've ever felt. It's not, it, you may not blow, the wind may not blow your hair. It, it, not, none of this, right? You may not feel fire in your bosom. Like, or like, like you know, what the, what are they? The you, Mormons. <laughs> Thank you. You may not feel all of that, but you're going to feel something unique just for you confirming and affirming you and confirming who God is after all this time of walking around in the outer court. Bless the Lord. Because we've all been there. Remember, the outer court is where people would do religious acts and talk religiosity. You know, and oh, but for the grace of God, high five. That, yeah, yeah. If it weren't for the Lord, you know, lips honoring God, but hearts far from him. Bless the Lord. 
Okay. <laughs> Honor. <laughs> Honorable lips. Yeah, that need a hot coal set on them. You know. <laughs> right. <laughs> because we, look, here's a, let me make a point. In one of my crazy analogies, um, there's a, um, a lot of people would, they would frown against an ex-drug addict continuing to call himself an addict. Why you keep calling yourself an addict? You, you don't use, right? You keep on calling yourself an addict. You're not an addict. Well, have I accepted the Lord? No. You got some higher power in there, you know, whoever you choose to call him, right? Okay, well, if I haven't accepted the, the Lord, I'm just an addict. However, if I accept the Lord, I'm an addict and I'm a saint at the same time. Why am I, look, answer this question. When you go into AA the very first time, are you no longer an addict? When is it that you don't become an addict? After a week? After a year? Right? It's kind of, you can't say because you haven't used in a year, you're not an addict. Any more than we can say because you haven't sinned in a year, you're not a sinner. Okay, here's, here's the, look, let me, let me draw this parallel, okay? It, it's kind of like this. People don't want to hear Christians say they're sinners because a number of reasons. But I would think one of the main reasons is, or from a, let's put it like this, from a almost hypocritical standpoint, we need to look better as we convey Christ to others than we really are, right? So, but if you're saying you're a sinner, you don't look any better to them, nor are you conveying anything better to them than what's really going on. So drop the sinner and just call yourself a saint. Now, if I went into recovery and didn't use today, if I don't go back to recovery tomorrow, I'm almost bound to use. If I don't go to God tomorrow, I'm bound to sin against him. And this is what I mean. Sin against him, presumptuous sins. Okay? Not just the fact that a thought is a sin. So I'm already waking up a sinner. I'm talking about premeditated sin. Planned sin. God wants a communion with me every day. He doesn't just want this head knowledge. Cerebral means nothing to him if he can't have this. If he can have this, he'll fill this up with his wisdom. Bless the Lord. Listen, this is a call to repent for not accessing a vital place in the temple of God, which is us. This vital place, this inner sanctuary, this holy of holies where he resides and wants intimate communion with us. This is a call to repent. Let us bow down in our hearts right now because she can't hear you and he can't hear you. But here, God can hear us and repent to the Lord. We're all guilty, all of us. No one sitting there not guilty. We don't have it all together. 
I'm not, I'm an advocate for sharing my stuff. I don't care. <laughs> this is the truth. I don't need to pull out a catalog today to tell you how filthy my heart is. The heart is desperately wicked, deceitful above all things. Who can know it? Right? But the Spirit of God will know it. And there's a difference between the Spirit of God and the glory of God. Right? The Spirit is in there dwelling around looking for a place to rest and make himself at home in here. But I got this outer court noise filling up all the compartments of my heart. And I'm inclined to be out there in the outer court with Joe Blow and Do-Rag and Pound Puppy. You know, I need to be out there with them. Something about them, they just, there's a draw there. I'll cloak it and call it ministry. But God is saying, look, look, Donna, you see? Look through that hole there. Bless the Lord. It all makes a difference. He studies the thoughts and the intentions of our hearts. I could bless God. I can bless him. By doing acts, I can come hug you and give you five dollars, you know, four fifty, and you know, and do kind things, and and all the things that God would call charitable, right? Okay, I could do those things, and my heart could still be far from Him. What I want is to please Him. At the end of the day because we should consult God in the daytime and we should consult him again in the nighttime. And at the end of the day, it would be much like, um, hey, we're gonna do a little inventory. How was your day? <laughs> what did you do? Let me tell you the 1,001 things I did wrong. And I, I, did, um, I did feed Ann today. And that was by your leading. This is, look, don't be scared to consult God and then he not speak to you audibly, but you feel compelled to feed Ann, right? So out of the one thing today, I'm getting better because it used to be, I used to do everything that looked like you, but had nothing to do with you. But in his patient rehabilitation process with me, right, this this addiction that I have to sin, how he's walking me out of it, and his patience, right? He's working with me that, David, do these things for me. Consult me. Then you're going to bless me. And that's worship to me because you're doing exactly what I created you to do. When you're running on you, you're not blessing me. And there's a time that rewards will come out at the Bema Seat Judgment. Okay, you had an opportunity to get great rewards. That great rewards probably, does, I preach that all the time, it probably sounds crazy. David talking about great rewards. <laughs> you better get your rewards. You serve the Lord. We serve the Lord. He created us for a purpose. And that purpose is to fulfill the advancement of his kingdom, to fulfill that mission. I could come up with any number of things, and even my own compassion will jump in there. Oh, I got to feed the homeless person on the street. I do, right? But you know, there's more to it than me just operating by default. God wants to use me. 
And the only way he's going to be able to use me is if we have those consultations day and night. In, look, in the middle of the day. You're talking about a sacrifice here. Okay, you go in the temple and you give your sacrifice. That's a sacrifice of time. I'm sacrificing my time to meet with my maker inwardly. Right? That's pleasing to him on his altar. He loves it. Bless God. So, um, look, I don't know how to tell you. I'll tell you this. <laughs> no more show. As far as I'm concerned, I want the Lord's approval. I want the Lord to approve of me. I want him to approve it. I'm going to have fun, Sheila. Don't worry. All right? Right? Because there's fun in the Christian life. All right? Yeah. She over there crying. He ain't going to have no fun. I'm going to have fun. I'm me. I have a character. God, God developed. I'm going to have a good time in as much as it's possible to do. Of course, you know, I'm not going to go way out into the Caribbean. I'm not trying to go to the Taj Mahal. I'm just trying to be everyday folks. I can do more with money as he sees fit than to just treat myself to treats that are coming that are eternal. Bless the Lord. So um, I'm going to go home and I'm going to say there was more. I always do. I forgot this and didn't bring that to the table and I didn't do it. But I prayed, and if you guys knew how scattered this sermon was when I came in here, it was, I even read from you, for you, for, for, yeah, it was the Spirit, because I read from you of Bible Gateway. I never read right off the internet, right? That's how, you know, convoluted things were. But he had a message, and I just blessed the Lord for using me for the message, and what I'm blessing him for now is that I seize that opportunity, that inner sanctuary, that, that holy of holies. The veil has been torn. He wants to see us there. We can't hold on to petty issues. It's so stupid. How will we get rid of them? Get in that holy of holies. He'll empower us. You've been holding on to this grudge for forever. Why didn't you come to me? Come on in. Sit down. It's more comfortable here than any place on earth. Bless the Lord. Bow your heads with me.